to episode two of Some Drivel. I'm your host, JT. Joining me for this second episode is the extremely talented, lovely, wonderful human, Alice Coltard. Uh, I got that wrong. I'm going to try that again. <laughs> no, that was right. No, I got it right. I got it right. I'm going to keep this. Coltard. That's great. You got it. You got it. Thank you. you so, so, hey, it. Alice, say hello to everyone. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for your very flattering introduction. Um, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am, you know, uh, strange times, obviously. Can't really start any conversation without saying something along those lines. Um, but I am good. I can't really complain. I am healthy um, and grateful for that. And I am, as I just told you, living in a barn in Wales, which it's actually nicer than it sounds. <laughs> well, actually, I think it's the smart play. I think getting out of Dodge, putting yourself in a really, uh, a really safe, lovely, wholesome environment is the is the right call there, Alice. You've done the you've done the right thing. Um, yeah, na- nature is definitely um, healing some of the wounds of the world right now. Absolutely, um, and actually, that you gosh, you've helped me with my segue so well there. Um, given <laughs> given the fact that obviously you know we're all in isolation right now, sort of I've found myself indulging in some like. Uh, like different habits so like food has become a thing for me like i'm just eating a lot oh I'm... god tell me about it so is that Quarant is that 10 pounds as yeah. my friend said <laughs> so is that uh, have you found that for yourself are you finding yourself kind of just snacking or like doing things you maybe wouldn't normally eat um i well it isn't helping that i'm 14 weeks pregnant hey um, congratulations <laughs> thank you strange time to be pregnant but um but yeah nice to have something positive to focus on yeah absolutely Um, and then so yeah you know obviously I have got the munchies anyway and added to the fact that I'm stuck in the house all day um lots of cheese on toast right okay so that's the go-to right the cheese on toast (laughs) is the safe bet because that's something also do do you find yourself like do you have guilty pleasures do you have stuff that you like is it stuff like you watch or read or, or like listen to that stuff that perhaps you wouldn't have done before you were um off to the barn um i would say i mean i have like some reality tv guilty pleasures that i they're not on at the moment so i haven't been indulging in those right um i've been relatively wholesome actually um i had just started a really good novel before i got here so i've been reading a lot actually which is you know it's not really a guilty pleasure is it um so I've been reading a lot, uh, going for really long walks. Um, actually, in a way, I've been more wholesome. Interesting that you've kind of got quarantine. that. You've got that routine. I don't know about routine. Oh, okay. That, <laughs> that's optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm really just trying to not put any pressure on my. I saw uh, something. Someone I follow on Instagram. Uh, Glennon Doyle she's kind of self-help kind of person and wrote a book recently called Untamed and she posted something she posted lots of lovely things but she was talking about um, the fact that we're all kind of grieving at the moment grieving our old lives and um, it just really kind of touched a nerve with me and I have you know I've had some down days I'm kind of you know where it just feels like, oh my God, what's going on? And, you know, and just missing my old life and my friends yes, and, you absolutely. know, being that, busy. That seems um, to be like, that's the, been the, really the great loss and the thing that's affecting so many people, I think, is that the, the battle with mental health as well is that people staying positive amongst so much uncertainty. Yeah, it's, um, it can be tough. I suppose the things that I'm learning, I mean, they're kind of obvious in a way, but it's just, you know, to focus on the little things like, 
I've got a three-year-old and she doesn't really care what's going on. So <laughs> being with her is, you know, uh, kind of lifts your energy and stops you thinking too much sure. outside of the immediate moment. And um, yeah, like going for long, going for long walks in nature has really saved my mental health actually during this time. Yeah, that can be a real uh, recharge of the batteries, I think. Um, particularly, um, particularly yeah. if you're if you're surrounded by family, right? Like if you're you're in Absolutely. that fortunate position to be with those guys. Um, I Absolutely. suppose that's something as well too. I keep seeing this online with like people posting videos of how excited their young children and pets are to have yeah. to have like yeah. the parents home. Like there's all these like amazing videos of dogs being like, "You're still here. <laughs> you haven't oh gone to God, work." Oh my God, my dog is just loving it. I mean, he just follows me around everywhere, and uh, yeah, he's just you know, and especially now the sun's shining and he loves the heat. So he's just so happy to be lying next to me, having his tummy tickled and then going for walks. And that's about it, really. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect life for dogs. <laughs> yeah, having, just having a great time. <laughs> um, the, uh, see, what you've described there is sort of the ideal scenario, whereas I, on the other hand, have two ginger cats uh, who it doesn't matter whether we're having, facing a global pandemic or not, the apathy and lack of interest in me. And and everything I do continues regardless because they're a cat. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, to to say that they give less than two shits would be <laughs> yeah. would be an understatement. Um, shout out that's, to pumpkin and pomegranate. Um, yeah, that's both the sort of pleasure and uh, not of cat. <laughs> yeah, and regret <laughs> of cats. Yeah, right? yeah. That that's also too is of course you know for. For, everyone has been affected in different ways, I think, and um, whether that has affected them both in, in terms of their mental health, their their ability to maintain routine or productiveness. You know, what another a huge aspect has been industry and work. And given what mm. you do, you know, that your performance work, I know that for the stuff you did with uh, The Order and Lone Echo, it's very much a, you're in the mocap suit, right? Like you're in the yeah. studio and you're on site. You know, have has COVID-19 affected your ability to work remotely like you know are you able to still do certain voice roles despite the lockdown well it actually interesting question because we are currently in the process of uh, when i say we i mean the guys at lone echo uh, ready at dawn mm. and i are currently in the process of trying to work that out actually for um for vr games um I haven't, it's actually not the mocap suit. So you don't need to be in a full studio. It's done slightly differently oh, than right. things I've done previously. Um, uh, you're, it's, it's head cam. So um, they, you're in a studio, but it's, it's, a, it's a vocal booth and you just have a camera attached to your face, on your face and lights right. on your face. And um, obviously a microphone to record your voice. Um, and actually in this country, I think those head cams are quite hard to come by. There aren't loads of them. So it's if you can't make it into that studio, it can be quite difficult to do. But you don't need to be in a full mocap studio. So what we're doing at the moment is trying to work out a way of me doing. I, I mean, I can't go into London and into a studio right now. Um, of course. So but first of all, they had asked me to... Um, Okay, I have my own sort of recording equipment at home for bits and pieces of voiceover stuff I've done for other things. And so I sent them a kind of test on that. And then they've ordered me a couple more pieces of equipment. So basically between us, back and forth from L.A. to Wales, we've been <laughs> um, uh, and then they're sending me some software to record on. And 
Um, so we're kind of going back and forth and gradually kind of building um, a small makeshift studio in a barn in Wales. <laughs> so you can shoot me. the VR stuff. That's by the way, LA to Wales is the album I really want. <laughs> by the way, that's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, that's really interesting that they've had to they've had to kind of cobble together that setup. But it's also not as perhaps you know, you're, like you say, you're not in the full body suit. You're in just the head cam. Do you do you when you did the order was that the full mocap with a head cam as well? Yes. Uh, yes, you do have a head cam because you have the green dots on your face. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, the order is uh, much more physical for an actor. So you're in the room with the other actors. I mean, obviously, the only VR games I've done have been Lone Echo, and there aren't loads of characters in Lone Echo. Right, so yeah, I of don't course. Know, <laughs> I don't know, and, you know, the other character, Jack, is the player. So um, yes. I don't know how it is in other games, but um, for for Lone Echo, I don't need to be with other actors to do it. Whereas right. when I was doing the order, it was a big studio um, with lots of actors and you're in a full suit and you have lots of props and you're kind of running around and it's very physical. And this is quite different to that. This is much more focused on voice and then just picking up your facial movements within that. You've been involved with Ready at Dawn since the order in 1886 and obviously now uh, have gone into Lone Echo and you're working on Lone Echo too, aren't you? That's the project you're on right now, right? That's what we're currently doing, yeah. I don't know if, if many people in the gaming community be, will be aware, but you've appeared in various different uh, TV movie productions. Um, the Last Ship, which is a fantastic series, by the way. And also the the very, very popular and well-known soap opera Emmerdale in the UK. Uh, <laughs> you did 280-odd episodes of that for... Uh, was it was it a two-year run you're on Emmerdale? Yeah, just over two years, I think. Yeah. Nice. So, okay, so then uh, comparing the work you've now done with Ready at Dawn with something like Emmerdale... What what is that audition process like between the two of them? Is is there a lot of crossover in that? Is it sort of very much the same thing? You turn up, you, they give you the sides, you do your bit and they call you? Or does Ready at Dawn versus Emmerdale have like a different process? Um, in the initial process, um, obviously the first thing I did for Ready at Dawn was the Sony game, The Order. And yes. so... Um, so Sony, I think, hired a casting director. But I mean, essentially, yeah, the audition process is is essentially kind of the most similar part of it, I suppose. Right. Um, you know, same. You know, for yeah, for Emmerdale, I guess I went down to ITV and yeah, read some pages that they had there. Um, just kind of cold read those pages, and um, I think probably I did the same for the order as well. Um. So, yeah, I mean, Emmerdale was because I was playing um, a long running character and also because I was part of a fam a new family. And so they were casting each member of the family. Right. And everybody had to, you know, fit together well and chemistry and all of that stuff. So the process for Emmerdale was long. It was like two months of auditions. Um, wow. Was that I think I had like four or five auditions. Or something. Diff what different callbacks and working with other actors. Yes. So it, the initial one was, yeah, as I said, just going in and like, you know, a cold read on a on a page and then a callback uh, where you had to learn a couple of pages and then and then had to go to Leeds um, and had did I do? I guess I did a, a day of. Yeah, there was like sort of three or four girls. Or maybe there was more, actually. Yeah, maybe there was quite a few of us actually at that point. Even at that stage, there was still several of you in the running. Yes, for that. I think for Emmerdale, they saw over 400. They were auditioning at that time, me and my brother. 
um, who was played by Lyndon Ogborn in the end. But right. um, uh, they auditioned over 400 people for our for both of our roles. I think. Wow, I know um, I know that the, the the cliche is that it is such a competitive market, but I also feel like that cliche is true for a reason <laughs> because it is clearly such a you know um, every role is contested so heavily. There's so many people involved in trying to get the part. Yeah, yeah, it's um, especially when you have to be a member of a family or something. And I mean, the thing is with those kind of, well, with any show, there's so many people involved in the decision making process as well. Um, I know that when I auditioned for Emmerdale, there was, you know, lots of people, producers who wanted me and then there were people that wanted somebody else. So there's also kind of hierarchical debate between people for a right, long period a, of time. A, a kind of push and pull between the yeah. two sides, right. But I guess with Ready at, something like Ready at Dawn, there's potential... Potentially slightly, I would say like Rue, who's the director and he runs Ready at Dawn, it's his company. He's probably kind of the key person who makes those decisions. I would say there's probably less people involved in the choosing process. Interesting. So there, would it, was that, you know, when you said with Emmerdale, it was a sort of two month, probably round all in process from that first cold read to finally getting cast. Is, yeah. is was that similar sort of for Ready at Dawn, even though there was less cooks in the kitchen, or was it uh, a much shorter process? It was a shorter process. I think I had a recall, so I think I auditioned once. I think, God, this was years ago now, so it's difficult to remember exactly. <laughs> but um, it was, yeah, I think I had two auditions, but they told they let me know kind of pretty quickly the next day after the second audition. That's refreshing. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, um, yeah, it was definitely a quicker process I mean I have to say the Emmerdale process was a particularly long and arduous process I would say most of the time it doesn't it's not that it doesn't take that long it's not that involved although like you say that I didn't realize of course that your character was joining at a time when a whole family of characters were joining so they're they're auditioning everyone else and I assume there must be like chemistry tests with that as well yeah so there was yeah there was whole days of screen tests where they'd have like you know me me and and I'd try out with two three different brothers and then the other brothers trying out with different people to be their sister <laughs> so and blah, blah, surreal. Blah, so. this process is so weird <laughs> yeah it, it's i mean you know you wouldn't wish it on anyone <laughs> no, no of course it's, it's no, you, kind of, game, you really. kind of wish everything was the ready at dawn process right where you kind of go in one guy goes i like you and then you yeah. get cast um it, yeah i mean i don't know that it was that straightforward no but, of course um, but yeah it was it definitely didn't take two months and ten auditions anyway oh, it's just crazy um with something like Emmerdale, which produces so many episodes every week, you know, there's, I think it's, they're now on three, four times a week minimum. Um, maybe more, actually. I, I can't remember what Emmerdale is on, well, I think it may have changed a bit now, but it's actually on six times a week. Wow, six It's on every a week. night. It's the, I think it's, it produces like more hours than any other show in Europe with drama in Europe. Something, it was something like, some, there was some statistic like that. And I'm just reeling off random statistics <laughs> that are probably wrong. Still, you're, but... <laughs> even, just, even just you saying wrong statistics is bonkers. Like that's just, that's just crazy. So, and because of that, it is, is there a rehearsal process? Like, do you get to, to run oh, stuff? Oh, for Emmerdale? Yeah. Um, there is... Not really, no. Um, it depends because there were times where, no. I mean, ultimately, it's kind of the the greatest test of your performance ability, really being in a soap. Um, and the reason why, you know, sometimes soaps don't seem as polished as other things because um, you are, you know, shooting. God, how many did we shoot? Like twelve episodes over two weeks or something, and you get sent 
at the beginning of that two weeks, you get sent your 12 scripts and, you know, however many of those you're in. Um, and if you have a heavy story, like, yeah, you just have to turn up, you know, you turn up, you go on set, you um, block the scene once. So the director will be like, okay, you start here and then uh, you move to, you know, for those who don't know what blocking is, um, you, you know, you're told where you move on which line or you may have some input in that. Um, but mostly with with soaps, it's pretty prescriptive, especially with Emmerdale, because it's actually shot on three cameras, which not many things these days are shot on three cameras. But is that, is that to make sure there's coverage of every like all angles of the scene? Uh, yes, but well, it, it's to do with speed actually, because ah. you know uh, everything will be shot from th at least three angles. But if you're doing a feature film, you'll probably do ten different angles at least or more, but they'll do each angle in a separate take if that right. makes sense. Yeah, of course. Whereas yeah. in Emmerdale, it's like, bang, three cameras on you. You shoot for you shoot the scene for probably, I think there's about half an hour scheduled. You know, on a, on a feature film, I think you shoot something like a page a day. In Emmerdale, you shoot a scene, which could be three to six pages in half an hour. Oh, so that's just, that doesn't even compare, does it? Like in terms of the, the speed of having to, to get through that content and produce it. That's just, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a real, real machine. And it's, you know, really amazing what they managed to produce in uh, such short, um, high intensity kind of time. Yeah, to produce, um, to produce a performance as well from your perspective as well, especially if it's, it's something that's really emotional or your character, you know, and I know that your character Maisie Wilde went through a lot <laughs> on yeah. that show. Um, so, so that must be, that must be in terms of, that's got to be a time management thing for you, right? Like being able to to balance the fatigue of, of having to, you know, convey that emotion so much. That must be so tricky. Um, it's, it's something, it's a kind of skill, I suppose, that you mm. learn over time. Um, you know, at the beginning, you know, it was really nerve wracking and, you know, getting through learning that many lines every, you know, every night you've got lines to learn. And, um, but that, again, that's a muscle that you can kind of train. And then so by the time I left, you know, I could look at a page and I would just know it for 10 seconds and I would just know it. Um, wow, it's just, kind of becomes you know, like second just, nature. Yeah, it does. So the first year was really tough and was very, very exhausting because you're shooting five, six days a week and you're doing like 13 hour days. You know, my character was in it a lot when I, you know, I was lucky to have a, a good role whenever I was in it. Um so I had a lot to do and therefore a lot to learn. And so it's kind of the days are really nonstop. And then if you've got like heavy emotional stuff on top of that, it's yeah, really exhausting. But, you know, great and cathartic and enjoyable. And then after about a year, you kind of, you know your character pretty well. You don't really have to think about that too much, um, for me anyway. And you can learn lines quite easily. So it becomes a bit more sort of autopilot sure after the first year which... i suppose yeah you've been in the trenches with it right like you've been having to churn out this stuff so fast but also make it so that it's not you know it's got to be of a certain quality so they're you know that that's pretty remarkable that you're able to maintain that level of pace and output and also make it a good performance as well <laughs> on top of that yeah i mean yeah <laughs> you try <laughs> yeah sure absolutely right i mean that is yeah that's that's tough but i suppose that's that's the that is the work and i maybe that's why the or partly at least is why the audition process is so rigorous is they want to know that the actor coming in has the stamina to to keep up almost yeah absolutely yeah it's it's partly stamina and it's also that you've kind of got some kind of some they even told us this in the audition process that they're looking for somebody who's got some very essential core essence of that character in them 
So because right. to maintain a character day in day out over that length of time, you know, I mean, some people are in it for fifteen years course, or longer. Yeah. You know, um, to maintain a character day in day out like that, you kind of have to have something in you which which is the essence of that character you know so that's what they're looking for they don't you know they're not looking for someone to come in and you know like if you were doing a play where mm. you were playing someone very far away from yourself they're not looking for that because that they said anyway in the audition process that that is you know they they would fear that that would be hard for someone to maintain sure and i suppose as well given the nature of what the program is and a lot of the similar soaps like coronation street eastenders there is a sort of grounding of realism you know, you're not going to be playing like some exaggerated version of yourself. It's it's yeah. it's got to be believable. Um, yeah. So God, that's yeah. yeah. That's that is just that's kind of mind blowing, really. That that's that's how involved it is. Because then, uh, sort of to contrast that, then when you look, especially now, you've said you know for something like Lone Echo, which is for that particular project in VR, you're working by yourself, right? So is there an opportunity within that for you to say? you know whether whoever you're working with the director the audio team to say can i try something or can i do another take of that are, do, oh, are, yeah. are you afforded more time um yes i mean still i would say with uh lone echo we get through a lot of lines in a session so sessions are either like four or eight hours at a time um and yeah you are in a i am in a small booth um with a, a sound engineer um and then I'm on Skype to the guys at the writers and director, creator, Rue, at um, Lone Echo. And they are, I'm just going to close this door, sorry, because I've got a bird tweeting away. Which By the way, I was about. just about to say, you were talking about sound engineering and the, the soundtrack of this podcast is so good right now. <laughs> there's, a, there's a huge bee and yeah, the birds and the bees are out in full force. Literally, um, the birds and the bees, you've got to get safe in the barn. There's alliteration going on right now that no one is ready for. Um, um, yeah, so what was I saying? Um, yes, there is, we get through a lot, but... Um, and they always give me direction. So it's very intense because I'm kind of like saying a line or I'm reading a scene with somebody. So the writer in L.A. will be reading the other reading Jack's part, for example. Right. Um, and then they will almost always give me some sort of direction on that afterwards and fine tune it, you know, tonally or whatever. Um but also if I feel that I haven't done something as well as I liked or I feel like something didn't hit the nail properly, then absolutely they are more than happy. You know, they're really great guys to work with in terms of being an actor because they're very focused and um, considerate to the performance. And I, I haven't worked on these. They're the only... Um, people in the games industry I've worked with so I can't speak for anybody else but um, I know that the development of the character is of utmost importance to them so uh, they're yeah. always willing to try new things and hear my point of view and they're very happy if I put if I ad lib a little bit or you know put extra sounds and make it the more naturalistic and the more I bring my own kind of character to the lines the happier they are. That's so great that you're afforded that opportunity to have that back and forth and it can be a collaboration. So much of working in this industry can be very regimented and you've got to hit your mark yeah. and you've got to say it yeah. this way. So actually that to hear that 
at least in the case of Ready at Dawn, that their process allows for that collaboration and allows for you to put put your own stamp on the work too. They actually want that. They're not like adverse to it. They're actually sounds like they're actually wanting you to do that. Yeah, they absolutely. You know, they yeah, they want it to sound. You know, they want Liv's the character of Liv to come to life as much as possible. That's very important, and you know they have told me that that's something that the game has been um, uh, has been appreciated for is the kind of character development. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna hit pause for a moment. We're gonna give uh, some shout outs to some folks that have been uh, some supporting us since we uh, since we started some dribble. Okay. Um, uh, first up is the lovely, lovely crew at Altcar Games. Those guys are a uh, altcar.com. That is a, a news, reviews, interviews, and previews website. They produce fantastic content. They have one of the best news teams around, um, and have been just endlessly supportive of my work. So thank you guys um, to the crew at Game On Daily. Who, by the way, the Game On Daily community—they uh, are a news aggregate website. They collect games, news, and, and articles all over the internet. Um, and they have questions for you as well. They've, their community have been submitting questions to you, so that we'll be getting to that shortly. I want to give a shout out to Misha Blue in Stoke Newington right now with Blue and Pappy. She is principal of Stagecoach Stoke Newington. She also works with the Hackney Youth Performance Academy. You are awesome. Thank you for always listening. They listened to my first episode, by the way, while cooking dinner <laughs> the other day, which was lovely. Um, Hi, Misha. Hey, Misha. <laughs> uh, and also to, uh, to Zoe and her Unique Minds initiative. She is a champion of mental health and one of the most honest and hardworking people out there. Uh, she, again, has been listening to the show, so thank you so much. And finally, to Adam and Mike, you guys have both been, again, listening in the kitchen, pottering away. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. So, moving on to our uh, now now famous segment, even though it's only the second episode, and <laughs> it's, it's infamous, truly, uh, called The Drivel Bucket, where we uh, take questions... From various different places, you can find us at Twitter on the Dribble Bucket. Not on the Dribble Bucket, you can find us at the Dribble Bucket. I got my own handle wrong again. Uh, you can find <laughs> us at the Dribble Bucket on Twitter, uh, where you can submit your questions to our featured guest each week. Uh, you can also go to Game on Daily, Discord, uh, find us on Instagram at Some Dribble, and on Facebook at Some Dribble as well. Our community has been submitting questions for you, Alice, uh, submitting questions to the Dribble Bucket, and I'm going to kind of just hit you with these now just kind of quick fire if that's all right go for it i can handle it um so yeah you're ready um so uh at spazzled rust my good friend pierre uh, popped in on twitter to ask do you have um uh, a game or character that you'd like to appear in or play like is there is there something in the games industry we went oh man i'd love to be in that this is a <laughs> an embarrassing question because i never play games right so this okay so and this... i mean that in terms of <laughs> gaming not, right no not sure generally you're not you're not just like really hate board games like monopoly <laughs> do one um but the, so that's interesting because uh, a cup we have had a couple of questions as well i'll get to them now because um a couple of people had, had asked like have you yourself played through lone echo so like you know and, and at musician chris one said did you ever play lone echo and come face to face with yourself in virtual reality so, but and and also someone else, uh, Volcama on Game on Daily asked um, whether VR makes you vomit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, ha have you actually seen yourself in the game at all? Um, I have. Um, so basically, the only time <laughs> I have ever put on uh, VR is 
when I was at the studio in LA and we just, I guess we'd just finished or we were just doing some final bits for Lone Echo One. And um, they said, do you want to have a look at it? And I was like, yeah, cool. So, um, you know, they put the, I don't even know what they're called, the VR <laughs> glasses on. And <laughs> the VR, sorry, VR it, hat. I'm just like, let's just, no, let's really just call it the VR hat. Up now. No, it's fine. It's all good. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I, there I was in, it was the beginning of Lone Echo and I came up to myself and talked to myself. That's so and bizarre. So, um, yes, it was surreal. Yes, I'd seen myself. I haven't played the game through. I just did like five minutes of it. Um, and uh, it was very, very surreal. And um, I did feel sick afterwards in answer to that question. Right. Yes. As Volcano was asking, did you, did you, did you feel a bit queasy? So was that? So I said hello to myself and made myself feel sick. <laughs> Which in itself is a fantastic, like, put that on your CV. <laughs> like that's, a, yeah. that's, an, that's an amazing byline. Um, so uh, I want to just read you this tweet. I'm going to read this to you verbatim. Uh, this comes from, uh, I'm going to butcher so many of these names. At so- solid, I'm going to go with Solidus Twelve. I'm just going to I'm going to roll with it. Um, I'm going to read this to you exactly as written. It's not a question. It's just a compliment for you, Alice. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Um, uh, at Solidus Twelve on Twitter says, "I love her voice, full of energy." <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Isn't Thank that? You. Isn't that I'm just walk away with a very big head? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, while you're avoiding the bee, don't get stung. Um, <laughs> by the way, that that term energy, just as a quick segue, that's something that as a director. So when I'm working with the, the students at the Hackney Youth, um, if I ever catch myself saying, guys, the scene needs more energy, I, I find myself pretentious. Like, I, I get so annoyed. I, like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean to you? If I if I was directing a scene with you, Alice, what would you, what if I said to you, Alice, look, your performance, it needs more energy. What? Um, God, it's it's a funny thing that I would know what you meant, but it's very <laughs> difficult to put into words, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, essentially you're saying the scene feels flat. I mean, it needs more character, more personality, more um, intonation. See, right there, right there is the difference between you and me, because you gave an actually professional answer to that. <laughs> and I just went, well, it's pretentious, <laughs> so I don't say it. Um, so uh, at Stone79 on Twitter uh, is, this is about the Order now, the Order 1886, where you played, yeah. is it Lady Igraine? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Which, by the way, just again, that's, that's right. Uh, quick, uh, quick segue again. I love the Order. Uh, I oh, played okay. through the entire thing. Obviously, it played through it long before we'd met and before I knew that you were playing the character. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic and, a, and very much an underrated game. Really, really cool. Good fun. Uh, At Stone79 asks, uh, they say, Lady Ingrain was an awesome character. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a cheeky question. What are your thoughts about playing her in the sequel? <laughs> um, I would happily play her in the sequel if they ever make one. That was the right answer because <laughs> also and this this did come up again um at johnny jand on twitter also said will you be returning to your role in the order so yeah that's that's it, interesting that you're open to it even if they you know even if that's not in production or it's maybe a long way off um but it's something you would be happy to return to oh yeah it was great i loved playing her um and i love working with ready at dawn so i you know happily uh, Rue writes, creates great games and writes great characters. And I'm not just saying that, you know, he really does. Um, so, yeah, I would happily, happily work with them on the order again. Oh, fantastic. But I, I, I don't know any rumours um, that that is imminent. 
<laughs> well, it's it's something that's been uh, particularly with the PS5 approaching at the end of the year. It's something that's come up in conversation as, as you right. know, a, a lot of websites, a lot of media are saying sort of you know looking at, at PS4 exclusive franchises that were kind of one and done's and kind of saying we'd love to see this come back and the right. order the order in 1886 comes back comes up quite a lot in those lists so uh which is which is a good thing um well you know more than i do so watch this space watch this space yeah for the (laughs) for the scoops on some drivel um (laughs) we're gonna move over now to facebook and we've already given her a shout out but uh misha blue lovely misha uh has a question for you lovely misha absolutely uh she sends her love um uh how challenging is it to act in full mocap including the the facial and headwear because we know now of course that with the order it is the full suit um it is what are the challenges of that like is there things that that kind of came up from that that just aren't present in other acting jobs well you look like an absolute moron (laughs) (laughs) she maybe shouldn't say that word you look like an absolute plum (laughs) (laughs) i think either either ticks the boxes there because by the way that i want to kind of also mention a a guy on uh, one of our uh, community members on game on daily said um uh, she was incredible in the order 1886 and my question is be honest do you feel a little goofy wearing that motion capture suit with balls stuck to your face just a little you can imagine (laughs) i mean it's really uncomfortable as well it's like a kind of velcro everything sticks to you um oh right okay it's like a velcro suit so it's like a tight i mean you can imagine how sort of tight velcro feels (laughs) yes and very flattering too right very very Um, very flattering to the human figure i imagine as well not flattering not comfortable yeah it's it's horrible actually it's really uncomfortable and not pleasant at all um and you'd rather not be wearing it that's for sure but um and you've also i mean one of the most uncomfortable thing about all of these games is that you have a head cam on, which is like a kind of helmet with a, you know, relatively heavy camera operator uh, apparatus kind of strapped to the front of your head. Um, and it's, I mean, God, if you look at yourself, it, it's like it's pointed directly at your nose. So your nose looks huge if you look at yourself. Uh, in one yeah, of the, it's the, it's the angle that you'd never want of yourself, right? Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, so it's very unflattering and it's also, yeah, just can be, it's, it's quite, t- you have to have it quite tight in order for it not to kind of move around when you're running about and moving your head I about. Never, I never would have thought about that, that there is like a, a, a sort of almost a fitness stamina style thing because of the weight on your neck, on, on your head, that I never would have considered that that would be a factor in recording Yeah, I mean, especially in mocap, it's, it's very physical. So yeah, you, you want to be relatively fit to be doing that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 relatively uncomfortable i would say right <laughs> that feels like a really <laughs> diplomatic end to that sequence um so uh rod on game on daily asks uh, about the order in 1886 and this is something i wanted to talk to you about as well which is you know that um i personally speaking am, i'm a huge fan of the game i know that there is a a large following of it um in the wider gaming community but also well, upon its release um some websites gave it a kind of mixed response and is that something you were aware of at the time or is it a case of because of your work is done so much earlier you kind of you done the work and that was and you kind of let it be are you talking about the order sorry I yeah the, so yeah. With, the, with the order 1886 it's just looking at those at those yeah. reviews that there was a kind of mixed response to it um interestingly actually a lot of the a lot of the agreed upon praise was in the writing and the performance side of it and it was more the mechanical elements, the actual gameplay, the experience itself that kind of was um, 
uh, not received so universally well. So are you aware of those responses? Like, does that, do you feel that when um, you see that I, stuff? I mean, with uh, games, because I'm, as I said, you know, I've just kind of fallen into doing games because I'm an actor um, and met Rue and then he's kindly asked me to do, you know, three different games. But I, I'm not in that world. So I am able more so than certainly if I was doing a play or, or something, I'm able to be more removed from the reviews. But um, I certainly got, I, and I, I haven't read them, but I got, you know, we had a big rap party and I got, you know, I got a feeling at the rap party, you know, I mean, people talked about it, you know, that, that everybody involved in the game was aware that it hadn't had the reviews that they had hoped for so yeah i was certainly aware that it, it it hadn't been you know the response hadn't been sure what they'd aimed for um and people obviously slightly disappointed about that um yeah i was aware of it but i don't read the reviews i mean i try not to read reviews anyway because they're never very helpful for your men mental health um, no of course and and it is that classic thing of like you get 19 compliments but you actually remember, remember. The, you remember the one negative right yeah yeah i was watching um, an interview with orson wells the other day actually and he was saying exactly that that you know he remembers every single or remembered every single bad review he'd ever had but none of the good ones none of the good stuff right which is not that i'm is... comparing myself to orson wells but it was <laughs> interesting hearing that even he felt that way you know? yeah that it is just that is a, a such a natural human response to that right yeah that, that, that yeah. You, you're not immune from from being aware of that stuff um what i think is interesting actually with the order 1886 specifically is that actually it's sort of been it's had this weird sort of second life where people have either bought it when it went into a sale you know like into a playstation right. store sale uh, or seen people like streaming it after the fact like after well like sometimes you know two three years after launch people kind of discovering it again and actually people going we've got a hunger for this we're actually potentially also through lone echo as well is them right, kind of, right. people wanting to know or oh, what else have ready at dawn done this generation of consoles and what what yeah. have they been up to it's had this sort of quite lovely second life to it where it's found a new audience so it just proves that it obviously does did strike a chord Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, as I say, I'm in that world. I don't know those things, but um, but yeah, that's it's obviously always nice to hear that people are enjoying your work. Hundred percent. Um, now, uh, uh, Quackshot on Game on Daily has a would you rather question for you. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't Ooh, even know what I would pick. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I've set this up like it's going to be something awful. I, I actually don't know what I would pick with this. So, okay, so. Uh, you have three options in this would you rather. Would you rather A. Replay the werewolf fight from the Order 1886 on repeat for the rest of your life. <laughs> B. Be seduced by Kane Dingle from Emmerdale. <laughs> or C. Eat your own leg in order to survive after a Himalayan air crash. <laughs> oh, um... Surely C is out of the question. Right? Like I think this... I yeah I think I'll have to say no to C, <laughs> um and I I mean I think I'll have to go with B but um be seduced by Kane Dingle I I think that's gonna be the easiest option isn't it <laughs> is that because you know that you have a barn to escape to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well being seduced sounds less painful than 
being in a fight with a werewolf. Sure, digitally or otherwise, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, on uh, on Discord, Mo Jolly, which by the way, lovely internet handle, Mo Jolly, um, is just wants to know: Is there any news on when uh, players can expect Lone Echo Two to drop? Is it still on target for a 2020 release? I don't know the answer to that. I know. Uh, okay. I know that um, I know that it's changed slightly, obviously, in light of, of recent events. Yeah, we're working really hard to continue to make it happen, despite the fact that all studios are closed down. Um, and you know, Lone Echo are working hard to provide me with a kind of in-house studio of my yes. own. Yeah. Um, and you know, I and we will get there. Um, so it will continue to happen. It will be pushed back, and I, I don't know the exact date. I don't. Sure. Yeah, I don't know the exact date. I suppose it's tricky with so much up in the air to know to make a call on that, right? Like yeah. to know where. Yeah, I mean, stands. I mean, honestly, at one point I was worried that we were just going to have to completely, you know, as, as with, you know, I was shooting a film just before this all happened as well, and I had to walk out of it because i wow. was pregnant and i was in a room of 100 people and i suddenly realized how serious this was that was going on you know and then eventually the film shut down you know so and i had another film cancelled so in you know film and television world everything is shut down and i was concerned that that would be the same for lone echo but because of the nature of it luckily um i think the show will go on and uh, we're just working out exactly how that happens. And um, but yeah, whether it'll be this year, I'm not sure. It'll be later than originally anticipated, but it will happen. Nice. Well, uh, it goes without saying, Alice. Thank you so so much for your time uh, appearing on our podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's you been are very welcome. It's been thank such a pleasure so talking to you. Such interesting uh, questions. Uh, so this has been the Some Dribble podcast, our second episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Dribble Bucket, where we announce all of our upcoming guests, and you can submit your questions to the Dribble Bucket, where we pose them to our guest each week. You can find us on Facebook at Some Dribble, Instagram at Some Dribble. And we are now also on Spotify as well. So you can check us out on there. We've just submitted ourselves to Apple iTunes as well. So look out for us on all good podcast services in the future. And we'll see you next time for some more drivel. Thank you. You are an actual, <laughs> you are, you are an actual legend, Alice. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. The pleasure was mine.